The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Or, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yes, indeed, thanks be to God. And thanks be to my friend KJ for reading today. Last week we began a new series based on the single most important statement on ethics in all of human history. The Sermon on the Mount. It's this sermon that teaches how to love God and how to love one another most fully. And Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount with nine statements called the Beatitudes. What we saw last week is that the first seven of these Beatitudes, beginning with poverty of spirit and moving all the way to becoming peacemakers and therefore those who are known as children of God, this first seven Beatitudes are a process of our discipleship. But Jesus concludes the Beatitudes with two more statements. Jesus tells us that if we follow this path, if we follow our Savior into this new and upside-down kingdom, that we will face persecution for it. That the kingdom of this world is not going to respond well when the kingdom of God seeks to supplant our sinful tendencies and practices. And it's ironic, after Jesus makes this statement about the path we must follow and the fact that we will experience persecution if we do, it's ironic what comes next. Because what comes next is a statement of mission. Jesus says, be salt and light. The irony of the mission that Jesus is giving to us in the Sermon on the Mount is that he's saying that We should live life for the sake of those who would persecute us. We should live our lives for the sake of those who would persecute us. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but the truth is, my friends, that's exactly what Jesus did. He lived his life for the sake of those who would persecute and ultimately crucify him. And today we have hope. Because Jesus did that. Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth. So let's talk about salt for just a moment. One interesting thing about salt is that salt is essential 
for our human life, especially, especially in a desert environment like that in which Jesus lived. A number of us have had the opportunity to experience desert life. And one of the things we learned was that we sweat a lot in the desert. And when we sweat, we not only lose water, we also lose electrolytes. One of the most important electrolytes is sodium, salt. Salt is particularly important in a desert environment because the function of salt, or at least one of its functions, is to help us hold on to water, to stay hydrated. So when Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth, what he's saying to them is that the earth needs what we can provide. Something else really interesting about salt is in the ancient Near East, there was this phrase. The phrase is sharing salt. And the phrase sharing salt meant to eat a meal together. Sharing salt is to sit down and break bread. It's to replenish the electrolytes that we have lost throughout the course of the dead, the course of the day, sharing salt. People came together for a meal. They came together to replenish what they had lost together. One of the things we learn about salt is that salt is essential for life. Another thing is that in the context in which Jesus spoke, salt is best found in community. So many of us have this fierce independence. I see it in myself. But in the cultural context of the day, what we find is that Jesus is giving this mission of being salt and light. Jesus is giving this mission to a community of people. Salt is life-giving. Salt is best found in community. But there's something else to note about salt. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, we hear this brief story about the prophet Elisha. Now the people of this city said to Elisha, the location of this city is good, as my Lord sees. But the water is bad. And the land is unfruitful. So Elisha said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then they went to the spring of water and threw the salt into it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have made this water wholesome. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been wholesome to this day, according to the word Elisha spoke. Scripture tells us that salt is an agent of purity in God's hands. So what does Jesus mean? What is Jesus calling us to when he says, you are to be the salt of the earth? Jesus is telling us that we are called to be a community of purity and life. We are a missional people called to be a community living pure lives. And so Jesus then goes on to say, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? And what good, 
my brothers and sisters, what good are the people of mission if they've forgotten their mission? How does salt lose saltiness? It's not miraculous. It's not some scientific process. Salt loses its saltiness when it becomes so diluted, so mixed with other elements that it ceases to function. Take just one last slight detour in this conversation around salt. I was thinking about this week that the oceans of the world are 3.5% salt. Out of every 100 parts, 3.5 parts of ocean water is salt. And life flourishes there. Oceans teem with life. But something interesting happens when salt becomes too dense. There's a body of water in Israel. It's called the Dead Sea. Its salinity is 10 times that of the ocean. 35% salt in the Dead Sea, and no life can thrive there. When we as Christians allow ourselves to become diluted to the point that people can't taste the flavor of Christ in us, we fail at our mission. On the other hand, if all we do is gather in the context of other believers, there's so much salt that life and the mission are not likely to thrive in that environment either. Jesus Christ is teaching us that we are to be a people of mission who need one another, but who also must venture into the world, into relationships, to share the hope of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus uses a second metaphor to further explain our mission when he says, you are the light of the world. Never, never, never hide the light. You know, the primary function of light is not to be seen. Light is rarely, if ever, the focus. Rather, the primary function of light is to illuminate. When I'm in an area with sufficient light, the light itself isn't what garners my attention. Rather, the light illuminates what's around us. And so when Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world, he's saying that when we shine, it will cause other people to see. Sometimes it will cause them to see the sin in their lives. Certainly, it will cause them to see the hope found in Jesus Christ. But again, we see a missional component here. You know, being, being salty is part of the essence of what it means to be salt. Just like shining is part of the essence of what it means to be light. And mission is part of the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus introduces here a third idea. The city on a hill. 
in the ancient Near East, cities on hillsides would have been symbols. Symbols of security. Symbols of hope. Now if we put all of this together, salt, light, city on the hill, what do we hear Jesus telling us about our mission? We hear Jesus telling us that we are a community of people called to a pure life by illuminating Christ and bringing hope to those around us. That's our mission. How do people taste the flavor of Christ in your life? How do you illuminate Christ and offer hope to others? I can't answer that question for you. Here, however, is what I can say about the mission God calls each of us to accomplish. In order for us to be what Jesus calls us to be, it doesn't mean we have to become something other than what we are. It's quite the opposite, in fact. The only way I can truly fulfill Christ's mission in my life is to become fully the person God created me to be. Salt doesn't have to try to be salty. Light doesn't have to try to illuminate. Salt doesn't have to try to be salty because that's how God made it. It just is that way. Light doesn't have to try to illuminate because that's how God made it. It simply is illuminating. One of the opportunities that I had earlier in my ministry career was to spend time at the Center for Creative Leadership in Greensboro, North Carolina. I took a year-long course there. It's a fascinating organization. They spend their time bringing in corporate executives, church executives, uh, leaders from all kinds of stratas and, and different places in society. Effective leaders. And they ask them a series of questions. Trying to distill the heart of what is the essence of being a good leader. You know, for years, the prevailing notion is that if I'm going to be a successful leader, what I have to do is I have to imitate what other successful leaders have done. If I want to be a successful leader, I've got to imitate Lee Iacocca or Jack Welch or Bill Gates. But... The amazing thing that was uncovered for the center, at the Center for Creative Leadership is that when leader after effective leader was interviewed, they found that there was no single formula for effective leadership. Leadership effectiveness wasn't about one's gender. It wasn't about necessarily one's IQ. It wasn't about how tall we are, how, how short we are, what color our skin is. In fact, they found only one key indicator that spanned the spectrum of effective leaders. Effective leaders regularly hone and use their natural strengths. That's it. Effective leaders regularly hone and use their natural strengths. 
There is no formula aside from authentically and fully becoming the people that God created us to be. Salt doesn't have to try to be salt and light doesn't have to try to be light. It simply has to be what God created to be. And God created us for mission, church. You are uniquely situated to accomplish the mission. Answering God's call in our lives is not always easy, but what it is always is liberating. Because in answering, truly answering God's call, what we are doing is we are finding ourselves authentically using the gifts that God has given us, authentically being who we are. To accomplish the mission in our context, in our time. But salt that isn't salty isn't doing what it was created to do. And light that isn't shining isn't doing what it was created to do. You know, in recent weeks, we've heard all about people shining here in worship. We've heard as some young adults in our community took meals down to folks who live in motels in the Stafford community. We found stories about people from our congregation drawing art in sidewalk chalk at a memory care center to help the residents there know that they are loved. Just a few minutes ago, we heard about an opportunity to fill backpacks so that in the midst of this tumultuous and bizarre school year, students will have the resources they need to thrive. One of the things that we we could do to be salt or light is to invite somebody to be part of the Global Leadership Summit. Do you know someone who's in a leadership position in your life? I promise you that person is scrambling to try and figure out what life should and can and could look like right now. There are so many ways to carry out our mission, as many ways to carry out the mission as there are people. But what we cannot do if we are to call ourselves followers of Jesus, what we cannot do is nothing because Jesus Christ called us to mission, the mission of being salt and light and hope. And it's interesting to me that Jesus follows up this, this commissioning of his church by telling us what his own mission is. The next thing Jesus says is, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus, came, he came, Jesus says he comes to fulfill the law, and that's absolutely what he does. But what we will see starting next week is a series of six statements that follow a formula. You heard it said, but I say unto you. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill it, but then he tells us there's a problem. And the problem is that we don't really understand the law. You don't understand it, Jesus said, so let me explain it. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. 
So how should we understand the law? How should we understand the teaching of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, towards the end of this Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives us a key, a clue, a lens. For in Matthew 22, a man walks up to Jesus and says, Teacher, what is the first and greatest commandment? And Jesus says, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength than to love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you perhaps will know this. Maybe some of you will, will not. But if you were to go back to look at the original law, the heart of the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, what you would find is that there is a natural break. The first four commandments deal with loving and honoring God that we shall have no other gods before our God, that we shouldn't make idols to worship, that we shouldn't take the name of the Lord our God in vain, and that we should remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Those four commandments teach us to love and respect God, but the next six commandments teach us to love and respect one another. So when Jesus says the heart of the law is to love God and love each other, he is being authentic and perfectly true to the reality of the law. Love God, love others. But then Jesus says something that could shock us. He tells us that our righteousness, our fulfillment of the law must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. How is that possible? These these are people who spent their every waking hour studying and trying to enact the law, but, but, the problem is in striving to follow the letter of the law, they miss the spirit and the heart of the law. To love God and love one another. If we are going to accomplish our mission, we cannot be guilty of the same sin the Pharisees and the scribes were guilty of. We cannot forget the heart of the law. We are called to be salt and light in such a way that loves God and loves the people around us. One of the great theologians of the 20th century was a guy by the name of Karl Barth. He, he was very prolific in his writing. In fact, it was said of Dr. Barth after his death that um, he never had a thought he failed to write down. One day, towards the end of his life, Dr. Barth granted it a rare interview. And the interviewer walked into this library showcasing the thousands and thousands of pages that Karl Barth had written about deep theological ideas. And the interviewer turned to Dr. Barth and said, Dr. Barth, could you summarize all of your deep writings about God into just one sentence? Carl Barth never missed a beat. He said, 
Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. We were created, created to bring flavor to the world, light to the earth. It's who we are. How has God called you into the mission? Using your strengths and your passions at this very moment, how has God called you into the mission of love? That, my friends, is the question of a lifetime and where we will pick up next week. In the meantime, Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, so often we forget that you called us to be a people of mission. And how those words could haunt us. What good is salt if it loses its saltiness? What is the virtue of light if it is hidden under a basket. Gracious God, we long to be exactly who you called us and created us to be. To use our strengths, our our skills, even our troubles to honor you. We give you thanks, Christ, for your teaching for the manner in which you taught us how to begin with the poverty of spirit and move towards peacekeeping. We thank you for sharing with us the truth that when we follow your path, there will be difficult times. But we also thank you for the mission you've given us. To live our lives in such a way that We are radically loving even those who would seek to persecute us. Because that's what you did. Help us, O God, to hear your words and put them into practice. To be salt, to be light, and to be love. In Jesus' name, amen.